Congregation, you know this sentence. I will make thee fishers of man. Lord, the children know about it, right? So you're fishing in this crazy river, you have the hook, you have a fish, you kill it, take it home, and you eat it, you fish. You catch fish that's hard, fish is unwilling, and you kill them. So the Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples, I will make you fishers of men. Strange, children. Strange, right? The fish is, gets killed and it is, is caught. When the Lord catches people, he makes them alive. They are dead. They're in the water of sin and con- condemnation and hell almost. And the rest of people out of that water. You see those bags of those, all those salmon in the river? So there's something you can just walk over them. And need to be caught. So many you see also sometimes people in this world. You so many, so many souls. In the mall, you go to Abbotsford, to Vancouver, you see so many people, all souls of eternity, all those people for their own account. Without God in the world, having no hope, no future, on a broad way to eternal damnation. But you have this feeling kind of, you need to know. In my teenage years, I believe the Lord stopped in yourself. I don't know talk about it now. It's Psalm 42. Like a heart is panting for the water brooks. So pant my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsted for God, for the living God. When shall I be before God? At the same time, to see people, my friends, in the, pew, in the same pew in the church, and stop unconverted. And they started praying for this person, praying for that person. And then there was that desire to become a, a pastor, a fisher of men. But how, how could I? Was I converted? Could I do that work? Was I so spiritual? Did they have such a gift? I thought, no, it's impossible. I still remember the building came. They filled the car into the ministry, had to come to the pastor. I read it and I threw it away. Can be, can be. It's impossible to become a pastor in the congregation for me. No. And then this text came to me through sermon. I will make you fishers of men. How sweet. I did not have to do it myself. Don't they say, you, you better make yourself a fisherman. So he said, I will make you. I will make you fishers of men. A flexible fish, not only trying to fish, but those says, I will catch fish by your hands. And in those... 27 years here in Chilag, 10 years in Holland, and two years as a student. 
I preached 38 years together, 39. And the Lord said, I will make. So often I believe it, Lord, Lord, I can't preach today. This is too difficult. I, I better stay home. And the Lord brought to my attention, I can help you. I can sustain you. I can bless the word. It is my work. I will make you fishers of men. Struggling. And yet, I will make you. How sweet to hear that. The word stood out. It was powerful. For the precious years. You know, all those years preaching, I loved it. I loved preparing it. Suddenly, suddenly, in a study that already felt in my heart, and to bring it also out on Sundays, I loved it. I could not do anything else. It was a privilege catching men in the net of the world. The first five years, was in a village in Holland, mainly Skerke, close to the ocean. Very soft-spoken people. Zeus, very soft-spoken. We visited after 50 minutes. They, they stopped talking, and they, it was very hard to keep the conversation going. Very quiet people. The same congregation was downtown Dordrecht, the opposite. So talkative and spontaneous, extroverts, super talkative. And the third congregation, Chilak, an immigrant church with an unbelievable work ethic. Alfie, very Dutch. Alfie, you don't talk about your feelings. Alfie, you don't make yourself vulnerable. You keep your feet to yourself, especially when you're a male. You don't cry. Just be tough. And I consider having a pastor who is also Dutch. Not a tiger either. A man who wants to avoid conflict, if possible. Too often does not know himself what he feels and has a tendency to cover problems instead of going to the bottom of it. You know, I just turned 70. I still know, still understand that I need to learn more. Learn more. So much going on in, in, in churches, in hearts, and in lives with people. However different the characters and the congregations are, the word is the same. The same word of the Lord. He does not change. And I have not preached psychology. I have not preached counseling. I have not preached social work, but my calling has been to preach the word of the living God, to unfold it for you. My responsibility also. When I look back, it's frightening. I'm thankful. It's frightening. Did I deceive anyone? Did I deceive more than one? Deceiving people that would be recovered from my hand? Oh, awful. Was that an obstacle to someone? 
through my behavior, my words, or whatever was an obstacle, and, and people are kept back. What responsibility? I know the one the Lord has chosen will be saved anyway. That his fish will be caught anyway. And yet, it's responsibility. Looking back, I see many mistakes. I need forgiveness for them from the Lord and maybe also from you. Would you forgive me? Also thank the Lord that he can make faithful to labor in the congregation. Thank you for your patience. You may have asked for another pastor. Thank you for your love, for your loyalty, for your forgiveness, your support, for your friendship. Some days are difficult. On behalf of my wife and Leonor, I'd like to say thank you. And for the last time as your pastor, I'd like to open the Bible. And do the work that I love to do, to open God's testimonies. And what is this last service? Because it's service for you that, that, that you as a fish will be cut out of the water. That cold, sinful, dead water. Being for your own account, without God, how worthy, no hope. If tonight something would happen, the fish would be cut on the, in the net and be made alive for God's glory. The text is from 1 Corinthians 2, the verses 1 through 4. Let's read them. 1 Corinthians 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So far, Paul's preaching, four verses, four thoughts. Those verses and thoughts correspond. Paul's preaching, not preaching man's wisdom. See that, verse one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not, came not in excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Secondly, preaching Christ crucified. So the first of what it is not, in the second place of this. And it was with you, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the content, that's the heart, that's the core 
or the preaching. In the third place, preaching in weakness, fear, and trembling. That's how Paul experienced it for himself. And my speech, and my, and I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. And for preaching in demonstration of spirit and power. That's how the people experienced it. There's four. And my speech and my preaching was not the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So Paul's preaching, not preaching man's wisdom, preaching Christ crucified, preaching in weakness, fear, and trembling, preaching in demonstration of spirit and power. Or more simple, what it is not, what it is, how it affects Paul, how it affects his ears. Congregation, Pastor Paul had been laboring in Corinth for a year and a half, Paul. To house, to house, talking to the people and preaching on Sundays, talking to the Jewish people first as well, and the Lord blessed his labors. Then he's leaving, after a year and a half already, and he's writing a letter from Ephesus to Corinth. Indicating I was with you, I know you, I was your pastor for a year and a half. Now I hear there is so much division among you. Chapter 1. One says, I'm for Apollos. One says, I'm for Peter. Such differences. And they blow them up. But also, the apostle says, I am concerned about the preaching. I'm concerned about that people speak lofty things, enticing words, and it is not the word of the Lord, not the simplicity of the Bible, but that people just make it too beautiful. Public speaking was seen as a great art in the East. It was one of the main subjects in university. To speak well, to speak in a nice tone and a melody and to speak, convincing people and also persuading people and this spectacular oratory. And when people are listening to those speakers in the theaters, they laughed and they cried and they were mad and they, 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 they responded to that and they, they, they loved it. Facial expression of people and well, eloquence. Rhetorical tricks and emotional manipulation and dramatics, drama. Pastor Paul said, Don't do that. Not on the pulpit. Not to entertain people, not to please people. Preach the word of God, not those enticing things. No stories, no politics. No psychology, no social studies. Leave it at home. Just preach in a simple way the truth. But trying to make it beautiful. Remember as a student, 
in the theological school. The chairman came to me before lunch. He said, when we have lunch together with the ministers and the students, you have to say a word of prayer. So I was young yet, in the early 30s. I said, I, I, I don't know. Can I do that? The minister said, short and not beautiful. Don't show off. Don't make it entertaining. It is not a game. It is very serious to be simple. No, no, no enticing words. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech and of wisdom. If I had wanted it, I even couldn't do it, but I was not able to do it. And I didn't do it. My speech and my preaching was not the enticing words of man's wisdom, philosophy and logic and other things. No, in, the, in, in the church we are there for, for, for the word of God, for the truth, for the unadulterated truth. The truth sets free. The word of God is the means of salvation, the power of God unto salvation. We don't need all those baggage. We don't need all those adornments. Or think of an other example. Suppose you go to a restaurant, a very expensive restaurant, and you use silver or maybe even gold cutlery, beautiful plates, very expensive, and the food is horrible. But the curtains and the chairs and the furniture is just first class. It's all shiny and beautiful, impressive. You feel a king sitting there. But the food itself is horrible. Would you like that? It's better to not? Better to sit in the cafeteria. Have the best steak in town. So what about the church? In the church we don't need all those extra things. We just need the Bible. We need the Word of the living God. Also for the future. We pray for the pastor, for the minister in the, in the, in the congregation, who will have, will not come with enticing words. And we don't care for excellency of speech and wisdom. We want to hear the simple truth. Secondly, what did Paul preach? What did he preach foremost? He preached about creation. He preached about the fall. He preached about the state of death. He preached about sin. He preached about the necessity of a new heart. He preached on all those things, the full counsel of God. Everything. You may not leave anything out. The full counsel of God. But what is not the heart of it? 
but it is the core of the preaching, of the proclamation, of the heralding. It is preaching Christ. Not just telling about him, but proclaiming him, recommending him, pointing to him in the hope that vile sinners convicted by the Holy Spirit, that sinners by nature not interested and indifferent will be brought to him. That we need to preach Christ and we need to preach Adam. But the difference is this. When you preach Adam, you don't recommend him as the way of salvation. No, he, he, there is no way in, in the, in the truth anymore. So he preached Christ as the only Savior. And Moses cannot save us. So we need to hear about Moses. We, need, we do not preach Moses. We preach about him. The claim of the law. Preaching Christ. The heart of the preaching is Christ, and Paul was Christ-centered. He was theological. He was Christ-centered. He was spiritual as well. And his preaching was also about the cross. Preaching Christ crucified. He felt he had to preach Christ crucified, not only Christ, but Christ crucified. Let us try to unpack that. When someone is arrested by the Lord, drawn by the Lord, felt interest in his heart for the Lord's service and his kingdom, then that person likes to be saved. And then he is looking for a way of salvation. And it is so human then to look inside. You can find something to please the Lord with. Are you doing that? Are you trying to bribe the Lord? Are you trying to bring something to the Lord that is a payment of some, some sort? That's hopeless. You can't do that. But yet people are so foolish, they try to, to bribe the Lord and to win the Lord over and to please the Lord with money and price. So the one is looking for tears. I feel so good, you know. You just can cry. And it's true. And then you are emotional. I feel so good. You feel a bit converted. Feel a bit better than others do. You feel the Lord is giving you something. Well, who knows? I'm not saying that it's not true. But it's so dangerous to make something of it and bypass 
the Lord Jesus. There's only one name given to men. By whom we must be served. Say There's no other name. And all those doors need to be closed. All those possibilities need to be cut off. And we need to be brought to that place. And nobody can help me. But Jesus only. This was your need. Likewise, Bunyan Red and Pyrrhus Progress. He needs to go through that door. And before the door, you can still be killed. Just close the door. And yet, never enter. Isn't it something? If you, your whole life have been just from the, from the door, in front of the gate, and never any further, and then death comes, it's too late. Oh, the Lord Jesus said to one of the Pharisees, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. So I hope that you have not been brought close by the preaching. You raised it through the door. And that you touched the hem of the garment in that refuge taking faith, seeking salvation in nothing else but in him. Oh, give me Jesus. Or I die. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing else counts. It does not go without tears, it does not go without emotions. But in itself, it is not sufficient. You need a true saving faith in Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. And you need that Christ, that anointed one, to be priest, king, and prophet. Do you know something of that? Has he become your last resort? Have you heard of him like the lady with the issue of blood? She was in town and she thought, I have to go there. I have to follow him. I have to touch the hem of his garment. I have to, I have to. She went. Shy. But all oh, the Lord Jesus said, Great is thy faith. Also, those shy and clean ones tonight here don't, don't, don't qualify. Say, I can't go there. It's not for me. She yet went, right? Let me, say, let me tell you something. Anyone is welcome. The vilest sinner. If you have nothing to bring to the Lord, without money, without price, you may just come. For I determined not to know Anything, I mean, that, that is any, anything that, that, is, that is nothing, right? Not anything, not anything is nothing. So you can have nothing left. You have to lose everything. All your righteousnesses need to be filled with your rags. Save Jesus Christ and 
him crucified. Him crucified. Why crucified? Well, crucified means that the Lord Jesus on the, cro- on, the, on the cross. And why was he on the cross? There was the cursed death. Cursed death. Do you remember the sermon? One of the sermons I preached among you, but it stands out for me. It was about a serpent in, 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 in the wilderness. Right? Serpent in the wilderness. Why, why, why a serpent? Why did the Lord say to Moses why, that he had to erect a serpent of, of, of brass? Why, why not a lamb or so? Or a goat? Why a serpent? A snake? A cursed snake, exactly. And that means that the Lord Jesus will need to be a curse on the cross. To save a cursed people. To save people under the curse of God. So the Lord Jesus is a counselor. Sure. The Lord Jesus is a king and a priest and so much more. Sure, certainly. But he is in the first place the one who sacrifices. Sacrifices. He paid the price of his blood. He has given his life. He laid life. He laid down his life for his sheep. And he also takes them again. So that's why that's why it says, and him crucified. Let me also show you 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, nor the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, are you included? But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. There's a power in them. But they preach Christ crucified, and to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. See this about the, the, the cross. But how does it now become a lie that Christ is, is the, the, the cross bearer? By owning your guilt, by experiencing and wholeheartedly admitting that you should be on the cross, that you should be condemned, that you should go to hell. Well deserved. 
stood you have no rights anymore. Empty hand. And then there's wonder. The Lord Jesus Christ presents himself. And that Paul may preach him, may proclaim him, may show him, reveal him. And then to see it for the first time. Do you recall that? I recall the first time. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all turned into his own way. But he has laid on him. The iniquity of his law, meaning his people, right? So that is what the Apostle Paul was preaching. And I've tried to do that. I've tried to preach until that wisdom of God, not by excellency of speech and of human wisdom, but I determined not to know anything. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Third thought. Weakness? What do you mean? Paul, why are you so weak? Well, he had a thorn in his flesh. There was also weakness. He, he didn't, didn't have an easy life physically. He was uh, hungry and in water and in the death and danger of traveling. He was not so healthy, so strong. I was with you in weakness. Was he sick some of those days in, in, in Corinth? You could now hardly preach or? Possible. He was not such a strong man. He was a weak man on the pulpit. See that? The Lord can use weak people too. And some of our forefathers say that the Lord often gives his servants an extra, um, an extra load to keep them low, to keep them dependent, to keep them humble, to also bring them low, and that, that from that position they may administer weakness. And in fear and in much trembling. Paul, fear? You have the Lord as your Savior. Fear? You're so experienced in preaching. Why fear, Paul? You don't have to fear. You're not just a student who is preached for the first time. Fear. I must trembling. But did you know that Martin Luther feared standing before the pulpit? He was not afraid of the, of the cardinal. He was not, not afraid of, of the pope. He didn't tremble for, for, for them. They had to preserve. He trembled. Why is that? 
Well, preaching is summoning people to appear before God to be in court. It is about the most serious matter, guilty or acquitted. It's a court case. Preaching is, in a, is, a, is a court case. You should know when you go home, but you stand. And then in, 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 in the principal had in his mind, all those people's future. He thought, where is this girl ending up? Where is that elderly man going? But it's the future of the person. And he thought, oh, I hope things will change. I tremble. I tremble thinking of that judgment seat of God. Listen to that. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore, knowing therefore the terror of God the Lord, the persuade men. So knowing the terror, he, he experienced the terror himself. He said, knowing the terror. So he, was know, he, he knew the terror. He knew the trembling, facing Almighty God. So knowing the terror of the Lord, he persuade men. Preaching is not something flippant. Entertaining, just happy go lucky. No. Preaching is dead serious. I can say that, not of too many things, dead serious. Have you also felt that? That when you came to, you came to, came to church, it was not about something trivial, something superficial. But it was something related to eternity. You know, I spoke to the young people last couple of weeks, and they still hang, hang some in my memory. You will always be you, right? Children, do you remember? You will always be you. You will never change in someone else. You may just have uh, learned more things and changed a bit. Maybe you reached a new heart. But you will always be you. And it is very serious. Because that means that you also have to care your own load. Have your own responsibility. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. May the Lord give that trembling to fathers and mothers, teachers and deacons and elders and ministers and evangelists and mission missionaries. The trembling. Oh, I, 
a priesthood of God. I have to bring it close to the Lord. Help me. This is not just something small. This is something so big. And the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, but we have this treasure, the treasure of the Bible and the gospel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, bodies, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Brings in the fourth thought. And the fourth verse, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, we talked about it already, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Let me first tell you what that does not mean. The apostle does not say, I did not preach man's wisdom, but I demonstrated the spirit and I demonstrated the power. No, he did not do that. The Lord gave that. So he was not speaking word enticing words of man's wisdom, but the Lord demonstrated the spirit and the power. I'm sure that's how we have to read it. The power. There is a very dangerous book. When you read that, there is the possibility that you get really, really shocked and influenced and changed. It's just the Bible. Right? The Bible is the Word of God. It's a, a, the book of power. Power of God unto salvation. And that power is necessary. Without that power, nothing is happening. You don't all need, you don't, you don't need, need all, 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 sorry, you don't all need the Bible. You need to find Him in the Bible. You need to find the Christ there. The power through the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who gives the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. So you find in this chapter Christ, the Spirit and God, the triune God. The power. I am um, Told young people, the young people also of that man, my first congregation was um, driving through town on this Harry Davidson, made lots of, lots of noise, and this very obnoxious guy. And I came to that place a couple of years later, and he sat in the elder's bench. Right? Well, how, how come? He was so indifferent. But then the Lord comes. Peter have nothing to say. Oh, that power of God. That Holy Spirit works 
irresistible. But it's also a common work of the Spirit. Ye always resist the Holy Ghost. We can resist that work. We do, in fact. There's also an irresistible work that you cannot resist. And that is the power. Something that ministers don't have control over. But the Lord goes on with his work, saving a people for himself. Congregation, young people, I still see you this last sermon as your local pastor. I see you as fish in the water. The net goes through the water tonight. And I hope from the bottom of my heart that you may be caught in the net. Say, Lord, catch me. Lord, take that unwillingness away. Because we resist being caught. And the Lord is the Almighty One. He continues with his work. My speech and my preaching was not the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. We cannot deny that. That the Lord has changed people. Is it you? Some of you have opened up to me. Others not. I don't need to know everything. So the Lord knows. When I was installed in my first congregation, Reverend Gear, he said, young man, now don't count the fish. You can't count them. Let the Lord count the fish, and he is counting the fish on the shores of eternity. So we have to give that in the hand of the Lord. And I have to give you back to God. In a sense, I still feel that you are my congregation, my, my, my flock. But officially, I will not be anymore. May the Lord continue. Soli Deo Gloria. Amen. We have five speakers who speak a short word. I will mention them and they will just come up to the mic. Reverend Dan Hood for the Linden NSC. Reverend Kleyer from the Class West. Reverend Verhoof from the Class East. Reverend Van der Tang for the Chilwag RCNA. And Alvin Niels on behalf of the congregation. Reverend Dan Hood. Dear brother and valued friend, first of all, I want to say on behalf of our congregation, our consistory, and, of, and thank you for all the years, 27 years, and that you were a neighboring minister, 27 years, that also you came there faithful to bring the word of God unto them. You were like a fisher of men there, 
and that the Lord may give that the fruit of it may redound to the glory of his holy and his precious name. Dear brother, also this evening, I just want to express how that I have always felt the bond of friendship with you. We've traveled a lot to Bolivia and different places, and we have had many meetings together, and it was often that I was amazed what you may bring to a meeting. Uh, when things run kind of tight and when there was no way forward, and then often you, in a very kind way, you may point out a way forward. And that I, we want to thank you for that. As a denomination, we can say that. We want to thank you for all those times, the wisdom that the Lord gave you, that you may bring to places like our meetings in, in the past. I want to thank you also for your friendship. And when you were speaking tonight, I was reminded of, it says in Psalm 126, it says that in verse 5, they that sow in tears. And I think you as a pastor here in Chilliwack, you may know what that is. The sighing, the crying for that handful of seed that the Lord may give unto you at the crying to be able to sow that seed amongst the people of the congregation, the supplications that the blessing of God may redound to the glory of his holy name and that the souls of our people, uh, that they may be saved. I thought our brother for 27 years, we cannot even imagine the sighing, we cannot even imagine the supplicating that the Lord may enable him to sow that seed that God comes to entrust unto him. And now tonight you speak a farewell message. And then tonight you lay down something that the Lord has entrusted to you. That for all the many years the Lord gave you the ability to perform these labors. And tonight you may lay that down. And it says here in verse 5, it says, And shall reap with joy. That's not ours, brother. Uh, we don't reap with joy that our sender, that heavenly sender, he reaps the harvest. But when we, by the grace of God, may come across the river at God's time, then we may see, we may see the harvest. We may see the harvest to the glory and to the honor of that great king. But we may see something of it, and it will just, it will be for a never-ending joy uh, to see that the Lord has given us a time that we could stand in the vineyard of the Lord, a time that we may perform the labors that God came to entrust unto us. And dear brother, then also for you, you lay down this office here tonight, but time goes on. And I was thinking of you today. And I thought, I hope for my brother uh, that the Lord will give unto him that he may experience a little of it, what Asaph in Psalm 73, uh, what he speaks of when he says, Thou hast holden me by the right hand. That was always his holding. That was always his keeping. And when all the counsel is fulfilled, then thou wilt bring me home into the kingdom that is above. And there we will never have to sorrow anymore. There we will never have to sin anymore. 
And there we may, there we may always give all the honor and all the glory unto him. Dear brother, that is actually, that is the future. That is the future you pointed to tonight in and through that precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I wish you safe traveling for the rest of the way, but I hope you may always remember thou was holding me by the right hand, and when all the counsel is fulfilled, thou wilt bring me home. What that will be when we may come home, when we may be there, and we see all the glory all the glory that because of that blood, of that righteousness, of that Savior, that'll be a never-ending eternity and to give him all the honor and all the love for that wonder. Dear congregation, also a few, just a few words to you. I was thinking tonight of 27 years of a sower a sower upon the field, the sower and as he goes about sowing the field. And you know, sometimes the field is large. The Lord gave our brother here a wonderful field. He gave our brother here a precious field. And for some reason, the Lord felt it took 27, would take 27 years for the seed to be sown amongst them. You know what I was thinking of you tonight? I thought, I hope, I hope that the blessing of God and may continue to be and that the harvest, the harvest of the souls by the grace of God may continue to be in this congregation. All the labors yet bestowed, that those labors, that that fruit, that that harvest may continue to flow out of what the Lord has given in the years gone by. He is a great God, congregation. He is a wonderful and a precious Lord, and I hope I hope when, you, when, when this minister, and I can almost feel how the young people here, fathers, they never had another minister, never was another minister in their life. He was always their minister, and now he's no longer their minister. But I want to tell you something, that great shepherd, that great shepherd is still there, and that great shepherd, he walks. He walks through the congregation, and I hope as the shepherd walks through the congregation, he may see he may see that all the labors of my dear brother here, that the fruit of it is that we cannot miss the Lord anymore, that the fruit of it is we need that Savior to be my Savior by the grace of God. I wish you the best, and I just want to say to you, although your minister leaves, the Lord Jesus Christ, he never leaves. He promises in the book of Revelation there that he walks amongst the congregations. All the best also in the years to come. The Lord's blessing also to you, my dear friend, in the time to come. The Lord's indispensable blessing in your life. Thank you for all your friendship, all the years. Thank you. Dear Reverend for Ruitenburg, on behalf of the Classes Far West, Ask me to also to thank you for the manifold labors you have performed within the classes, also outside of the classes, in the denomination, also in the years that you could instruct the students in the theological school. You are now at the end when you have to preach farewell. I'm just at the beginning. And what must I then say? You know what it is to sow that seed. 
I do think also in this evening, when you begin with that text, I will make you a fisher of men. What did the Lord say to Isaiah? In chapter 46, he says, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my good pleasure. That counsel of the Lord, we cannot change that. In that eternal counsel, wherein also was determined to become a minister. First of all, when the Lord calls them out of darkness to his marvelous light. But if he also has laid another task, a way for them to begin to sow that seed to become a fisher of men, my counsel shall stand. Perhaps through impossible ways, you said it, and you have told it also in the theological school, how difficult it was. Also the way to the ministry, but the Lord has led a brother through all those years, my counsel shall stand and I shall do all my good pleasure. I will do all my good pleasure. And then we read something remarkable after that. It was spoken of the king of Babylon, but I think also we may apply that also for tonight. Calling a ravious bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will do it. Calling that man from the east, yet come from the east, from the Netherlands, to come to this place to take up your labors in the midst of the congregation of Chilliwack. When we now read here, Arabia's bird, we think, yeah, what kind of bird is that? It's a bird which destroys. A bird, we don't like to see them. But now we may also see differently. To become such a bird as what we sometimes hear, to become a robber of hell. Eh? And if you now may become such an instrument in the hand of the Lord, and I hope that you have been that instrument in the hands of the Lord all those years when you were enabled to bring that word as a robber of hell, that that st strong man armed to take away his vessels, it's not your work, but to be used as an instrument, as that bird that executed my counsel. It's not your work, your work, you, but it is his work. And what would be a wonder then if that also may be seen in the fruit? You don't need to see it yourself, but that also in the past, in, in, the, in the future, may be seen. Also that seed which was sowed, you say that fish net that has to be thrown in the water, that it was fish. The Lord will count them, not man, but all oh, that them, he will also receive the honor, the glory, the Reverend Faruitenberg. Then also, on behalf of the classes far west, but I may also say it, 
perhaps on those who may have been in the theological school in those years. Thank you also for what you have been for us. Yesterday I read the interview in the newspaper and there you said it, you have tried to brought us also to have respect for the word of God. And we may say that is true. It's always when you instructed us, have respect for the word of God, read what is written and not what you think what is written. Or that we then also may take that along and that the Lord then also may remember you in the unknown future. So when we hope that we may still labor together for a little while, also here in the classes, we do not know what lies before us, eh? but that we may also wrestle for each other, also ask them if you will pray also for us. You will, maybe you cannot labor in the congregation so much anymore, but that you may labor in the inner room and wrestle also for us who must still do the labors. Thank you. Reverend Verruytenburg, it is on the behalf of the classes East that we were requested to say a few words, but more than that. Also as a former student, as a brother minister, and as a fellow instructor, a word or two are not out of order. Many years ago, when my father was still minister here in Chilliwack, he told me once what had strengthened and encouraged him and we were outside and he looked and he pointed to the mountains and then he quoted from Psalm 125, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth and even forever. And we know these mountains you have seen these mountains many times, and they are immovable mountains. Sometimes they are hidden mountains. Sometimes it is dark and no mountains can be seen or clouds in front of them. But those mountains remain. They are fixed. And as now those mountains are fixed, God's word says, so the Lord is that mountain, that protection, the one who cares around about all his people from henceforth, even forever. And why could not that only be done? Because the Lord sent his son as servant here on this earth but for him, there were no such mountains. There was no such protection. He suffered alone in that strife. He had to cry out on the cross. 
my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But for that reason, a people that had run away from the Lord may receive these mountains round about Jerusalem, the Lord's care, his keeping, his salvation for them. And what we then wish for you, for your wife, for your family, everyone, that the Lord's mountains may be round about you. And what is then necessary, a few psalms earlier we read it, I lift up mine eyes unto the hills, whence cometh all my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And that is what you, what your family, what we all do need. And it is our sincere wish that you then may experience that your going out and your coming in may be in the name of the Lord and that he shall also care for you the last remaining portion of your journey here on earth. And congregation and consistory, we all need that same care that the mountains that are round about Jerusalem would also be the Lord's care around about each and everyone's life. That also these mountains may be around his church, the congregations that are found here. We wish that for the consistory. And young and old, considering these mountains now, and you see them every day, then remember, if the Lord is not round about us, as, he, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, there will come a time that you will cry to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. But it shall be too late. And therefore, bow your knees, beg the Lord. If the Lord will work with his word and with his spirit, that that Savior's precious salvation may be granted through his spirit, so be it. Brother van Ruitenburg, foolishness is our labor, but power as well. If the Lord works with his spirit, it is true. What Paul writes to the Corinthians, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross definitely is foolishness, 
unto them that build upon their own power, unto them that have faith in their own ability to believe, in their own ability to build a righteousness before God, but unto them who lose all their wisdom and unto them who lose all their righteousness, that same preaching of the cross will be the power of God unto them that are saved. And you've preached from the words, first epistle of Corinthians, the second chapter, where we have also heard about Jesus Christ and him crucified. What a word, him crucified, because the Lord's righteousness had to be justified. Him crucified because there is a people from eternally, eternity elected that must be brought back into the fellowship of the Lord that must be brought back into his communion, that people that is from eternity loved, and the Lord has cast his eye upon them, they will be brought back, and there's no other way for them to be brought back than in a way of righteousness, and in a way of truth, which is the way found out, thought out by the Lord in his Son, his eternally begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in a way, brother, on this evening hour, I thought of those words of a man leaving the temple. In a way, after 37 years of service and the ministry of the word, you are leaving the temple in your official capacity of minister of the word. And I thought of that man who left the temple. After he had been there and he spoke, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. I do so much wish you that so you will be leaving the temple as the one who cried in the midst of the congregation. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, but that it may also be in leaving the temple that you may feel and find that peace that is found in the heart of this man. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted as you experience the weakness and the infirmity according to your body. I wish you the words of Psalm 71, that is a personal wish. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. And as brother Verhoof spoke those words, that the Lord Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
he has cried out these words in order not only to promise his people, I shall never leave thee nor forsake thee, but also to fulfill the promise. May the Lord grant you rest in the days to come. May he remember you and may he grant you that peace in the soul that was felt by this man, the publican. We know it is a parable. But this publican who had cried out, God be merciful to me, a sinner, this man went down to his house, justified rather than the other congregation. We heartily wish you a preacher of the word of God, a new minister. And I call upon you, stay faithful to the roots of the congregation. Do not seek it under any easier doctrine, but stay faithful to the roots of the congregation that in fact we share in the labors of, I think, of Reverend Kester. We have a shared history. And may those teachings and those doctrines still be binding us together. For I do believe the firm foundation of the preaching of those men who were before us can be found in the word of the Apostle Paul to the Romans, the 11th chapter, the 36th verse. And if there is a living heartbeat of the word of God, it is this. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So be it. Honored guests, Reverend Reitenberg. In this moment, um, standing here or sitting, listening to the previous speakers and thinking about where we are and what's gone past, I'm filled with a profound and intense gratitude to the Lord that we may have had you as servant here for these 27 years. as undeserving as we are. For 27 years, you have faithfully brought the word and the preaching. And as you, in your work as a shepherd in the flock, you've conducted all the funerals, officiated at many weddings, visited the sick, often on a daily basis, Besides all the labor in the congregation, you've also done an enormous amount of work in the denomination, as mentioned already, as theological school instructor. And it must be a little gratifying that three of your former students are here today. But also on the mission board and different other synodical committees, 
And all this, while we list them off and carefully, not to build you up, I know you, that's not you, but that God may receive all honor through all these ways. And I have to keep reminding myself that <clears throat> we've always appreciated through all these years in your preaching, your sermons, always so meticulously researched, so well-researched, many, many hours spent. Also, your, um, your courage to preach about the difficult, the sensitive things that you could have avoided, but it was in the Word and it was important and you did that. You preached on it. I think of all the other labors. It's amazing when you look at my list here. Catechism classes, confession class. Sometimes spent with our seniors. Sometimes spent at school. We had... We also had the, the blessing of... You're being here to perform the sacraments on a regular basis. Also, did I mention the sacraments being the baptism and Holy Supper? And we think a little bit about these 27 years. The first children you baptized, some of them you later married and baptized their children. So you have a lot of history in our congregation here. And in, in that light, you can truly say, this is your flock. There's very many here tonight that you, you baptized. You baptized or you taught them confession. And through all these years, there's been very good times, enjoyable times, but also some very extremely intense, difficult times. And we can just think of the more recent one to save, to keep it shorter. Through the COVID years, or maybe we're not through them, but in the COVID years, the difficult choices, difficult decisions in church, also to do with the care home, all those things as consistory, we leaned on you a lot to lead through, and you did. And we're grateful for that. Also, in your, with your health concerns, this goes back eight or nine years. We've also watched, we felt what was going on. But I think we all admire you for your courage and your, um, there's another word I was thinking of, your courage and your patience in dealing with your illness and also the positive spirit that you had the whole time. But the time has come. The Lord has been so faithful all these years. And as we read in Ecclesiastes 3 as well, there is a time for everything 
To everything, there's a season. And there's a time to begin your ministry. There's a time also to end it. And that time has come. Your official work is over. And we hope that we may still call on you from time to time as your health allows to help us out now and then. And, I, and we know you will as your health allows. But through all this, through all the years that you've been here, you've also had support of family. So we thank also Mrs. Van Reitenberg and the family for your help and support for your father, our minister, through the, especially the past years of decline. Thank you for your care and concern. And dear congregation, this is also, this is a very serious moment for us. It's a moment of reflection and inner examination. For 27 years, our minister has brought the word. And where has it fallen? What has it left us or in us? We know that for some, it was a word of life, a word of eternal life. But we also fear that for some, they will have to hear, you would not, or they would not, that I should reign over them, bring them here and slay them before me. But a profound and serious thought. And looking ahead, as you all know, we are act, beginning an active search for a new minister. That's a process that we are very unfamiliar with. Only one in our consistory has ever walked, gone this way before. So for us, there's many questions, there's much to learn, and we hope and we covet your prayers. Also in this search for a new minister. And pray with us that the Lord at his time may send us the man of his choosing to work in our midst. In the consistory room earlier was mentioned when Saul became king of Israel. He was a man of many gifts, head and shoulders above the rest. The kind of a man that Israel would have chosen as their king, of course. But let us be spared from that. And let us leave that decision to the Lord and let us humble ourselves and pray much that his will be done. We ask also for your patience as we also go through this transition time. As I said, it's new for all of us. It's new for you. Pray for us. Help us. 
And we pray and hope that the Lord may soon also send the man of his choosing to labor here. Reverend Reitenberg, we only have have one wish for you. And that through the good days and the bad days, which will undoubtedly come, the Lord might be near. He might favor you with his presence and his comfort.